Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm Manu Feth, but I'm not joined by Stefan Bienkowski today. He is off, uh, had another wedding to attend. Um, boy is busy, not his own, thankfully. But I am joined by two very capable guests to replace Stefan. Um, both good friends of the podcast. One of them even a founding member of the podcast. And uh, Chris Williams. Chris, how is it going? It's good to have you back. Always good to hear your voice. Um, this is the sixth season of the Gegenpressing podcast. Can you believe that? Well, it makes me feel old. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, yes, yeah, 60. So yeah, it's always nice to be back on. Thanks for inviting me back on. It's always a pleasure. Oh, I mean, it's always awesome to have you and uh, really much looking forward to cover match day one of the Bundesliga with you and our other good friend of the podcast, Matt Ford. Matt, long time no speak. I think the last time we had you on was at the end of last season. How's your summer been? Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, in, enjoyed standing in last season, and I'm happy to happy to help out today as well. Um, summer has been relatively football free, uh, so ready to go again. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really fun podcast. We have a ton to discuss, and I think um, we shouldn't really bang around the bush too much. Let's jump right into it after this break. This episode of the Gegen Pressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE. B L E A V. BELIEVE. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So yeah, boys. Um I think we all need to we need to start with the, the big topic. Um the, the transfer saga that engulfed the Bundesliga. Um finally got across the line on the eve of the Dave Super Cup. We've covered the Dave Super Cup in great length, covered Harry Kane. Um, but Harry Kane has finally made his Bundesliga debut and Before we talk about the actual game, Bayern against Bremen, um, Chris, the Bundesliga managed to lure the English captain to Germany. Bayern Munich, the, the team that has gotten it done. What's your first impressions of Harry Kane in Germany and what do you think it means for the Bundesliga? Right, so first thing I need to say that um, I never used to like watching Harry Kane play because he always used to score um, and he normally infrequently score against side I support. Now he's out of um, the Premier League and I can watch him professionally. I think he's brilliant. Um, so I'm enjoying watching him at Bayern. Um, I think it's a, it's a monumental step. We've seen players move over um, from other leagues, um, but I don't think we've seen a player of his stature. He could have gone to any Premier League top four club 
um, someone like Manchester United or Manchester City would have absolutely broke the bank for him. Obviously, Tottenham didn't want that. Um, and the next best thing was to go to Bayern or Real Madrid. I think they, they were probably the only two big clubs. PSG were muted, but no disrespect to the French League. I don't think it's competitive as either the Bundesliga or um, La Liga. And thankfully, he's gone to Bayern Munich and perfect start for him. But yeah, really interested. Um, I'm also slightly interested in his new boot deal as well. He's, he's wearing, he's gone from Nike to Skechers. I think he's the first player to wear Skechers boots. Um, I always look at people in Skechers and think they look really comfy, but I'm not of that age yet where I should buy a pair of Skechers. Um, I'm just interested that they're making football boots. It's a, it's a strange step for me. Um, but yeah, I think him being in the Bundesliga is fan- absolutely fantastic for the league. It's needed um, a real boost like this. I know I've spoken before in a podcast about how detrimental it is to the DFL that Bayern keep winning. They won 11 in the row. I don't think it gives them a strong arm when they're negotiating international television rights, but um, this certainly does to have the England captain in, to have any national captain, but the circus that follows England around, um, and he'll open doors for people who don't watch the league at the moment um, in some key markets who might now watch the league in America or in Asia uh, because of Harry Kane's play, and I think that's probably as massive to the DFL as it is to, to buy it. Yeah, there was definitely champagne corks that corked at the DFL headquarters in Frankfurt when the Kane deal finally got across the line. Um, the Sketches deal is really interesting, Chris. I spoke to some people at Bayern and at the Harry Kane camp about it, and one of the main reasons why he went for Sketches is because they actually designed a boot that will give him more ankle support. He has struggled with ankle injuries throughout his, throughout his um, career, right? And so Sketches actually came up with a boot that was supposed to help him with that, and it is interesting. I mean, it is. Some might say it, it kind of fits Harry Kane because they're a little bit of old people's shoes. But um, you know, that's just my my first impression. Uh, I think it's interesting that he went that way, and if if it helps ankles, that's great. Matt, um, I know you're a Man United fan. Harry Kane was heavily linked with a move to Man United. How did you take all? First of all, the circus, and then what do you think? What do you what do you think of him moving to the Bundesliga? I mean, this isn't really the podcast for it, but in terms of circuses at Manchester United, uh, Harry, Harry Kane isn't, isn't isn't even top three this summer, to be honest. Um, the obviously, as uh, as Chris was pointing out, um, there the are reasons why the various Premier League bit, uh, big hitters weren't involved um, um, in in the race for in the race for Kane. Ultimately, um, it's not just a, not just a case of Tottenham and Daniel Levy not wanting to. Or, or do everything they can to avoid selling to a direct Premier League rival, but also in terms of uh, the pure finances. Um, United themselves have been caught out uh, for a, a minor FFP breach um, this summer, um, so I, I seriously doubt that 100 million would have been uh, would have been on the on the table for that. Um, but I think more importantly, um, particularly on the case of that figure, 100 mil. Uh, represents obviously not just a, a, an interesting step for Harry Kane um, and and the Bundesliga, but also um, a huge shift in in policy from Bayern Munich. Um, out, out, out of all the out of all of Europe's big hitters, um, Bayern um, have always yeah. Well, for, I think in the ten years since that hundred million euro marker was broken by by Real Madrid for Gareth Bale, if if, if I think I'm right in saying. Um, is eight or I nine think other clubs? It was Cristiano Ronaldo, but it, they always downplayed was, that figure, didn't they? Was it? I mean, it might have been on on exchange yeah. rates as well. Yeah, but, 
in, either way, the point remains that there's been eight or nine top European clubs who have since um, broken that hundreds mil figure and, and, and Bayern, particularly in the figure of Uli Hernes, have you know, he's been on record four or five times in the past five or six, seven years saying how you know, 100 million is not a figure Bayern will ever go in here. Um, it's it simply exemplifies how 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 ridiculous the market has got, and Bayern Munich are you know a financially extremely extremely well run football club, and they won't go anywhere near that. Um, well, yeah, clearly uh, times have changed, and um, obviously it's a figure that Bayern can afford. They are extremely well run, uh, they're, they're they're well structured. The 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 turnovers are among the biggest in world football. Uh, so they do have these weapons at their disposal, and they've um and they've deployed them to to get to get Kane. Um, yeah, the the importance for well for Bayern purely on the pitch, it obviously comes a year too late. I mean, they could they could have done with the direct obviously like for like replacement for Lewandowski a year ago, obviously. Um, and um, yeah, for the Bundesliga, as 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 Chris was saying, there's no denying, of course, it's important, especially in the summer when. I mean, I think when we all cover the Bundesliga, obviously we're quite used to seeing top talents and uh, you know top top players heading in the other direction. There's obvious reasons for that. Um, so yeah, of course, it's nice to see when uh, when a when a top name comes the other way as well. Um, I just hope that there's you know, I hope there's not too much respect shown to to Harry Kane, um, as I think was perhaps the case in the build up to Bayern's first goal uh, in in Bremen, which I think we might get onto. Um, you know, it was nicely worked by Kane, but you, know, you have to get a bit closer to him. Um, I'm thinking even going ahead, there are a few other occasions where Bremen gave him all sorts of space. So I hope that's not. Um, uh, a forebear of 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 things to come, um, because yeah, as Chris also pointed out, the last thing we need, if we're being honest, is a twelfth uh, consecutive Bayern Munich title. And uh, I say that not because I've got anything against Bayern Munich or for anybody else in the Bundesliga. As I was saying, you know, Bayern Munich are an incredibly well-run football club and uh, you know, entirely admirable in many respects. Um, but in the from, you know, from the bigger picture, uh, that's uh, not a good thing. So we'll see where it goes. Mm, yeah, no, actually on that topic, and I'm in full agreement with you, this show is 100% neutral. Um, I have absolutely nothing against Bayern Munich, but yes, for the league, it would be, of course, um, fundamental in some ways if they, someone else wins the title, right? Um, and, and on that topic, I mean, I've I've written about it, I, I said this on, on various shows. I, I personally am not convinced that Harry Kane is going to fix all of Bayern Munich's problems, especially because... Goal scoring really wasn't their biggest issue last year. They only scored two goals less than the previous year when they had Robert Lewandowski. So, so on that note, Matt, um, while Harry Kane will undoubtedly make Bayern Munich's attack excellent, that an attack that was already excellent, right? Better. I kind of feel like it's not really going to fix all of their issues that they have in the squad. Even, I mean, yes, they did beat Werder Bremen comfortably 4-0, but there was a good 15-20 minute spell in there where Bremen could have made it interesting. And Bremen aren't exactly the best side in the Bundesliga. Do you think that he's actually going to fix all of Bayern Munich's issues? Um, I, th- I think you make a good point. Um, and again, I think Bayern will be looking at this, as, as they do with most things, they'll, they'll be, they, they look at the Bundesliga and the Champions League as two completely separate tournaments, obviously, of course, they are, but they, they, they effectively approach them with two completely different mindsets. You're right. There are problems at Bayern Munich. The um, yeah, there are certainly um, midfield issues. Uh, the goalkeeper issue needs needs sorting out. Um, th- those are issues, but I think very much are much more pertinent to the Bundesliga. Um, as you rightly say, the, the goal scoring itself wasn't necessarily the issue last year. However, um, 
it will always stick in my mind the I think it was the quarter final wasn't it against against Manchester City last year in the in the Champions League where I thought um by him Munich for at least 60 70 minutes in that first leg um they uh, you know, they, they went toe to toe with Manchester City and did as well as anybody else did last season um so I, I think they had nothing to nothing to be ashamed nothing to be ashamed of in the end um but they missed, you know, they they missed several several top top chances because they missed, because they were lacking that that top striker. So I think, yeah, there are probably other issues in the Bundesliga which need sorted out. I, I don't think Kane is necessarily relevant to to those issues. Um, but um, Bayern, the the reason they spent 100 million is not to solve any Bundesliga issues. The, the, it's to it's to see him do the business in the Champions League come um, come come March. It's a really good point, Matt and Chris. I mean. It's kind of so weird how the Champions League and the Bundesliga are so such different competitions for Bayern. In the last, like especially last year, they did so well in the Champions League until they fired Nagelsmann um, and ran into Man City. And then in the Bundesliga, they struggled. Do you see this similar to Matt? Is this really just about the Champions League? And is this also maybe a glimmer of hope for the Bundesliga saying, well, they got Harry Kane, but they still don't have a number six. They, they still don't have a proper right back. And they definitely don't have a world-class goalkeeper. Yeah, it's interesting, and I'm, I'm firmly of the point, and I have thought for a while, probably since they, they won it back in 2020, they wanted to be winning it season in, season out, or at least get to the final. That's one bit of bad mark they've got against them, or maybe a a sort of disparaging look from the rest of Europe by, well, of course they're going to win their league. They've won it six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now 11 times on the wrong, but they don't get to Champions League final, or they don't get there consistently, I think. Harry Kane coming in, like Matt said, is exactly for that. It will address that and it will make them a lot better um, in Europe. And he should finish some of the chances that, that obviously Matt said there, that were missed last season against Manchester City. And had they got past City, I think they would have been unstoppable. I don't think any other team would have been able to stop them in that retrospect from winning, um, or in that respect for winning, sorry. Um, but in the Bundesliga, yeah, I, I still I still think they've got issues. I wrote about it in, the, in a match report that I did at I said, have they maybe focused on the the wrong end of the pitch, the top end of the pitch? They didn't have a single goal getter like they lost Lewandowski, but the goals came from other areas. In the Bundesliga, they still didn't address those back lines. Um, Ulreich, he had very little to do, but I think before half time, he came steaming out looking for a goal. I uh, started looking to clear a ball that he never make. Um, I think Minjay Kim probably shored up that central defence partnership, but. You've got the outside areas as well. Uh, obviously, Alfonso Davies is very good, but that right side we're still a little bit unsure of. Um, and then I think that's where they're going to get issues. Uh, Nicholas Fulkrug, really lovely, cute header, marginal offside. Um, and they were opened up the start of the second half. And I think a team like Union Berlin or Frankfurt, or I would say Dortmund, but they normally often throw one against Bayern, as in they, they don't really live up to expectation. But another side with a slightly better attacking outlet or slightly better build-up play, I think we'll have scored a couple in those, those 10, 15 minutes at the start of the second half. And I think that's where Bayern will have their issues. And if they are going to concentrate on the Champions League, that's brilliant for everybody else. Um, but I don't think Thomas Tuchel's going to get an easy ride if he just concentrates on one um, competition. The, the Bundesliga and Pokal are almost a given. You've got to win them. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that the Champions League is where Bayern will look. Um, to dominate and look to to win this season. Yeah, I, I made a similar assessment in my report that I wrote that 
I, I thought that Werder Bremen were too slow and too sluggish in the attack. Um, you know, they just lacked that speed. There's a couple of balls over the top of um, Bayern Munich's defense um, that looked to, uh, you know, look like this, well, exposed the same issues that they had last year. And I, I reckon that a faster team, and I mean, we saw it in the Super Cup, right, uh, with Leipzig and what they did um, to those weaknesses. And, you know, um, while I think Bayern Munich can be very happy about that 4 0 win against Bremen, I, I, a result that I thought was a bit high, Chris, um, I think, um, you know, that better team would have maybe done more with these deficiencies, and yeah, it's it's interesting. To, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with with Bayern Munich. Of course, the Harry Kane train rolls on um, next week. Um, Bayern Munich at home um, on Sunday at the in the Bavarian Derby against Augsburg. It's going to be interesting to see how they do there. I want to move on to the Saturday games, and there was one big fixture on Saturday and we're speaking of RB Leipzig who looked so excellent in the in the Super Cup um, Matt Leverkusen I mean we, we kind of always talk about them as this this team that we're not sure of and when they do something special they kind of fall short I know you covered them quite a lot you're at a lot of their games um, I was hesitant I kind of wanted to put them into the title candidate category but was so hesitant because they're Leverkusen, but Matt, they looked so very good in that opening game, and they beat a Leipzig side that basically put Bayern to the sword in the Super Cup. It was a really, really interesting fixture, wasn't it? I mean, particularly given that both uh, both teams have undergone um, yeah pretty wholesale changes um, in, in in the summer. I think I think maybe maybe only Borussia Mönchengladbach come close in terms of the, the amount of ins and outs that have um that, that both both teams there have, have had to undergo. Um so it's interesting to see how they um how they approach the new season, particularly because they I mean under I mean Javier Alonso's going into it's his second season now, isn't it? Um and uh, he's quite obviously moving them away from this sort of typical uh, traditional Leverkusen which we've always known and, and enjoyed actually. They've always been um a very transitional counter attacking team. Um, even going back, yeah, obviously under uh, Seoana, but even going back as far to um, to Peter Bosch, yeah, and and, and even previously, um, uh, Javier Alonso's moving away from that. I mean, obviously, you don't really have that much choice when you lose the likes of Musa Diaby, um, but yeah, I think uh, Alonso is making you know he's turned Leverkusen into a much more much more rounded and uh, complete outfit, and um, you know it's just. I was watching the the game. the The first Leverkusen game actually completely summed it up for me. I think there was a really sort of subtle change which I noticed in that um, by Leverkusen have always, like I said, scored goals on transition, been dangerous on the counter attack. You know, they they win the ball, turn it over really quickly, get forward well. They've always benefited from these really really pacey players that they have. Um, that first goal from uh, from Frimpong, it, it also comes from Leverkusen pressing, but the pressing takes place a good 30 or 40 metres further up the pitch. It's absolutely, it's very impressive how they completely swamp RB deep into their own half, even into RB's own box. And the, the pressing is really, really comprehensive. They cover all their angles and they, they, win, the, and they win the ball in that way. Uh, and obviously it, it ends up with the RB defence being a little bit all over the place, which it, which it was all afternoon. In fairness, and um, yeah, the the combination between uh, Boniface and uh, and Frimpong with the finish was uh, was 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 good, but it all came from that yeah what I what I considered to be a much more advanced, a much more sophisticated 
version of this Leverkusen pressing. So I think that could be a key thing for Leverkusen going forward under uh, under under Alonso. Mm, yeah, it, they're really fascinating side. Um, I, I had a really hard hard time placing them anywhere in the in the top four because of all the, the changes that they made. But Javier Alonso is such an interesting coach and. I mean, Chris, he has a past at Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and there's always this suggestion that he is the Bayern Munich head coach in waiting. Is he transforming this Leverkusen side into a team that can win titles, but also maybe to set himself up for, for that move to one of Europe's elite clubs? Well, I mean, can he set him up to win a title? I think if he's given the resources and he's able to coach the way he does, um, I think he can turn them into title challengers. I think it was Mourinho said last season, wasn't it, that you know he's played for um, he's played for Liverpool, he's played for Real Madrid, he's played for Bayern Munich. That that gives you a good grounding in how to play football. In you know, I think we can call it in inverted commas the right way. But he's also been coached by Mourinho, Benitez, Guardiola, been coached by some fantastic um, managers, and he's obviously picked up little things. Um, and you can see just how well ready is in the game and sometimes we see top players don't transition to to very good coaches because and I don't know why but they just don't seem to but Javi Alonso is looking like that he's, he's very thoughtful everything that Matt's described there about the way they like to play the high transition the, the high pressing the fast pressing the way they look to turn it quick that's re, you know that's relative of, of the way uh, the way that Benitez played on occasion with Liverpool is certainly the way that uh, Guardiola played while he was at um, Bayern Munich um, and he's also got the defensive uh, brain that he's probably picked up from from working with Mourinho so for me yeah he, he could be someone that ends up at Bayern Munich at some point and um, I think I'd like to see him at a club like Leverkusen why can't he take them that step further uh, either in Europe or take the step further in in the Bundesliga or even in the Pokal, it looks unfortunately like most Bundesliga teams, though, and a little bit like Leipzig. Is he going to lose his best player every year? Uh, obviously, DRB went for for good money um, to Aston Villa. Leipzig have had a, a, a list of players who have left them, um, and they've obviously gone to Premier League for high money. Whilst I'd like to see Leipzig stop that because I, I think they should be, if they want to challenge for the title, they shouldn't be doing that. I think Leverkusen will always be a little bit of a stepping stone. It's how he deals with this high turnover of players. And in order to win a title, you've got to build on each season. It's normally a three or a four year plan. Uh, I, I think it's quite hard for coaches if every end of that year, the plan goes back to, it goes back a step or back two steps because they lose either an integral midfielder or a very good wide winger or, a, or one of their uh, fullbacks that like to bomb on. Or they lose someone in the pressing area of the six, and even in that eight, if it's a double pivot, how that works. And that's my only fear is that he won't be able to keep those players, keep a core central spine of very good players to to make a title challenge um, year on year. Yeah, I, I guess the, the big question with, with Leverkusen is um, are they the side that could challenge for the title this year? I mean, I, personally, I think it's still too early. Um, I thought it was fascinating that when I was at the Super Cup, Matt, that every Leipzig player warned um, how good Leverkusen are going to be and that they're going to be a Champions League side next year. And, you know, despite all the warnings and all the um, euphoria, 
that they had after the Super Cup. Um, it didn't seem like Leipzig listened to their own warnings. <laughs> they still lose to this Leverkusen side, regardless of the fact that every single player I talked to and Max Eberl and Marco Rose said, we have to be careful about Leverkusen. Um, I, I thought far too much was read into that Super Cup win. Um, I actually got, um, to be perfectly honest, I got quite frustrated with some of the reporting around it, even some of the German press. I think I, I was even reading um, Kicker magazine referring to it as a Pflichtspiel, so a competitive game. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, in my book, it's just it's simply not. Um, it's you know, it's comparable to any other Super Cup in you know, the other league. Some of them are now played abroad. The Community Shield in England is not an, it, it, it's it's not a competitive game. Um, so um, yeah, I, I simply wouldn't be too much into it. Added to that is the fact that um, um, RB have they have obviously have fallen for some stunning results, being followed by some shocking performances. They've been they, they were a, a, absolutely a um, quite a Jekyll and Hyde team um, last year, um, and you can decide for yourself whether I consider uh, whether you consider um, Jesse Marsh, Domenico Tedesco, or Marco Rosa to be in the role of Jekyll or Hyde. Um, not <laughs> not sure if I'm if I'll decide which one's which. Um, but yeah, they, they do have that form. And it, uh, yeah, I mean, the, there's various reasons for it. I think one of the reasons for it is is the, the type of football that they do, that, that they aim to play, and not just at RB, but throughout the entire Red Bull system. It, it's very much done to very much done to blueprint. And when it comes off, it's spectacularly effective. When it doesn't, there's, there often seems to be no plan B, which I think leads to these quite stark fluctuations in, in, in results and form. Um, the other element to it is the one that Chris was just touching on and that they, yeah, they're also liable to lose some of their top players. And um, I also agree with Chris there. I think if, if you're looking for a, a, an alternative challenger to, to Bayern Munich and, and you, you don't want to be looking at, at Borussia Dortmund, then, yeah, you do look at uh, Leverkusen and RB and um, I'm not saying it's, it's not completely clear-cut and I don't want to be overly cynical, but I think there's... They they ultimately have less of an excuse when it comes to selling players, and there's reasons for that. You know, they're they're, they're backed they're backed by huge uh, commercial entities, and it's as simple as that. Um, I know that doesn't make them completely immune. I know that they they have to also adhere to to FFP. They also need to balance the squad, and that's fair enough. But it remains the fact that um, Leverkusen and RB are financially not as reliant on big money from the Premier League as say uh Borussia Mönchengladbach or Cologne um would be or, or or even or even Dortmund for that matter when big money comes in for for Haaland or Sancho or or, or, or Bellingham um so it, it becomes another issue so you know, if you can understand why the likes of Schoboschlei and uh Unkunku and uh Guardiola want to make that step up that's fine I can accept that the Premier League is a, is a step up and uh, okay um but if I was, to, yeah, if I was looking at it as, um, if I was looking at it as as an as an RB fan or someone who wanted to see another Bundesliga winner, um, I'd find RB's way of operating quite quite frustrating. I'd like to see them do more to keep these players because uh, they certainly have the, the financial means to do so. Mm. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is it's a big topic, right? I mean, um, Bayern Munich was the the, the first side to in Germany to say no to selling their biggest stars when, when they hang, hung on to Frank Ribéry back in, I want to say 2008-2009, um, they opted not to sell him to Real Madrid and that turned him into um, a team that sold their biggest stars to the rest of Europe to a team that buys them. 
Um, at some point, I think other Bundesliga side need to do the same. Um, I, was made, I made this point, I think, last year. I think, yeah, you did. Manly, when we were chatting about Dortmund and how I, th- and how I thought the, you know, the pandemic really put a spanner in there in the works of their development because they, they had got to a point pre-pandemic where they were they were in a position, they'd worked themselves into, an, into a financial economic position where they could say no to Manchester United over Sancho for, for a year. Uh, and that was a result of years of of solid financial rebuilding at, at Dortmund. They, you know, they got into a position where they were able to say no to Bayern and they were able to say no, at least temporarily, to a Premier League club. Obviously, the pandemic has completely changed everything and they, they're, they're very much back to square one. Uh, but like I said, um, it, it, it can be done and uh, the likes of Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig have much better um, yeah, financial and economic footings to be able to do that. So, yeah, I, I would like to see both do more. From, from the point of view of Bundesliga competitiveness. Yeah, I do think that, Matt, I do think that Dortmund are in a better place um, now than they were like a year ago. Um, I did spend um, the summer with them in the United States, right, and was able to talk to a few people in and around the club. And, I mean, Jude Bellingham, they were never going to be able to hold on to him, whether it was Real Madrid or another club coming in, and that's that's fine. Um, I think that's just the, the course of things. Um, they did make him an offer that was extraordinary. Um, so they would have they would have liked to keep him if he had you know if he had taken the contract. They would have liked to keep him. I think with him it was more the the mindset of the player rather than the money. Um, and then you you can't I don't know how you stop that, but I do think that it was very it's different for them now um, than it was maybe a year ago. And I find it interesting too that the players that they brought in are more experienced players. Um, you know, you look at Sabitzer, Benzabaini, uh, okay, there's Felix Nemcher, um, you know, maybe he's what they call a fantasy player, someone who they can sell on with a profit. But you were at their first game um, at the Signali Duna Park or Westfalen Stadion, they preferred that moniker. If I could just say, Manu, before we move on to Dortmund, I think it would be on. Un- just unfair to move on from RB without mentioning Danny Olmo because they've um, obviously they've, they've lost four high, very high-profile players um, this this uh, this summer, and I, I can't believe that Danny Olmo wasn't among them. Um, um, for for my for my money, one of if not the best midfielders in the Bundesliga, certainly you know maybe may maybe even among the top five, top five, top, you know, top six midfielders in, in in Europe, capable of all sorts. What I didn't know he's capable of was headed goals. Uh, which he which he did well for that you know, at the front post for I think was it the first the first RB goal, uh, so he's yeah he's got he's got that he's got that in his um in his in his back as well so um yeah uh, I think that I think it'll be a very impressive this this will be a big another big season for for Daniel Mo fantastic player he looks in fantastic shape too I spoke to him after the Super Cup he's fantastic he just looks like he's done a lot in the off season to make himself put himself in a better place um, signed to a brand new contract okay. Well, anyways, Dortmund. Um, I want to move this conversation on. I'm going to go to you first, Matt, and then to Chris, um, because you were at the game um, at the Westfalen Stadium. What were your impressions? And it, I, it was a little bit harder work, I think, than Dortmund wanted it to be. Um, impressions were um, the Borussia Dortmund have some familiar problems. Um, it, it wasn't a good performance. Um Edin Terzic admitted as much, um, and I've, um, I've I've written about this in in your in your newsletter this week, which I've, I've, I've sort of I've stood in for 
Um, Dortmund for, were for long periods sloppy, slow, uh, lacking in creativity. They were laborious. They were static. There was one particular scene which seemed to keep repeating itself, particularly in the first half, uh, which was when either Mats Hummers or Niklas Zula were in possession um, uh, in, in, in either centre-back position. And then looking ahead, looking to looking to start to generate an attack, and looking ahead to eight static teammates, not not running anywhere, not creating any space, not not dragging any defenders anywhere. Uh, it was all very frustrating. Um, they only created one chance of note before before ultimately scoring. Uh, it was a, a Julian Brandt effort. Um, yeah. Apart from that, they were. Um, yeah, they they were they were quite frustrating to watch. Um, I've I've written as much that uh, if any if any Borussia Dortmund player was going to uh, dis, you know, get going to reward himself for any performance uh, on Saturday, it was Donny Marlin. Uh, he was probably the only bright spot I thought from from a Dortmund point of view. Um, he was at least presenting himself. Was at least injecting some pace. Was at least getting shots away. Uh, you know, he's, he's clearly. Still riding high on that wave of form that he he, he started to hit, second half of last season, um, but apart from that, uh, I don't think uh, Sebastian Haller touched the ball in the first half, or at least not at least not in any of any note. Um, I, I couldn't help but think or, or draw the comparisons with with Harry Kane and his first Bundesliga game, and like I said before, the way he dropped deep in the build up to Leroy Sané's opener for um for for Bayern Munich. Um, that's what you expect of your modern centre forward, isn't it? And uh, Sebastian Sebastian Allaire, uh, did 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 none of that. Um, although you know, I think rightly so, people are expecting a lot more of him this season. He's coming. In, thank God, he's coming to this season uh, completely healthy and fit with a full preseason. That's obviously a good thing. So uh, people, well, I think people can expect a lot more from him this season. But apart from that, Dortmund were, um, yeah, Dortmund were laborious and. Yeah, by the time that goal came in the 88th minute, they were, to be honest, fortunate not to be two or even three goals down because Cologne had some seriously good chances. Yeah, Chris, is the positive from such a performance that in the past Dortmund would have lost this game? Yeah, it is. I think that the main positive is that they've not lost their first game or they've not drawn their opening game at home. Um, it's If you look at how they, they, they should play, and Matt's absolutely nailed it there, that they... You know I'm not a big fan of ball possession because I don't care how long you have the ball, it's what you do with it that counts when you've got it. So you can have 15, 20% possession of, of the game and still win 2, 3, 4. No, we've seen it before. But they did have the vast majority of possession for that and they worked themselves into good areas, but they only had two shots on target, which is nowhere near good enough um, for if you're going to play a team like Cologne. I think it's unfortunate for Dortmund that they've had such a... Um, a big close neighbour in their first opening game and probably the main positive is they've navigated that tricky hurdle um, and, and won but the way they played the way they I don't know they not seem to have got that spark that maybe they had two three years ago and I know a lot of players have moved on obviously but we expect Dortmund to play a particular style and they brought players in the past to fit that style it's a very exciting style Um bit of a misfire for me but if you can misfire and win I think really think that's going to be a problem the problem if it's replicated in the next game and the game after that and the game after that, that that's when the issue but I looked at Edin Terzic after full time and um, spoke to Archie Ryan sort of gave a very honest interview um, and and yeah I think I would expect 
this Dortmund side with the squad they got, I'd expect them to improve not overnight, but I'd, I'd certainly in I'd certainly expect them to to improve over the next week or two. Um, certainly by once we're getting out of September. You know me, Manu, I'm not a fan of looking at the table until match day ten. I think it's not worth it. Um whilst you can't win anything, you certainly can lose something. And if you have a really, really poor start, um, by the time you get to match day ten, you can be completely out of the the contention for winning the league unless whoever's at the top has a massive slip up. But yeah, the I think the best thing we can say is Dortmund took all three points from a game where, as Matt said, they, they could have been turned over on another day. Mm. I think yeah, that, I think that possession point from Chris is is important. Um, I, I, I think I totally agree. Obviously, it doesn't matter if you. It, it might even be a good thing to only have twenty percent possession and win three 0 I mean, that's that's how a lot of teams set up these days, and that's absolutely fine. It's all about what you do with it. Um, the reality of the matter is, however, that Borussia Dortmund are absolutely up there on a pedestal in in this division. Um, they're going to have the ball because teams like Cologne are going to go there and give them the ball. Um, I mean, that, and that's that's absolutely their prerogative. So, um, yeah, um, if if Borussia Dortmund are continuing to can I, I don't know convince themselves that they want to play counter-attacking transitional football using the pace of Adeyemi and uh, and, and Marlon um, and play, 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 players like that on the counter-attack then that's probably the wrong the, the, the wrong uh, tactic to be to be following because they're going to have more of the ball they, they need solutions in possession uh, and it, yeah it, it simply wasn't forth it, it wasn't forthcoming yesterday and I thought the, the frustrating thing was that it was such a familiar performance um, and um, I mean, also with respect to, to Edin Terzic, they were very familiar comments. Um, I I enjoy listening and talking to Edin Terzic very much. I think he's he's very clear. He's very honest. He he goes into great detail if you ask him the right questions. Um, I think yeah, he's re- he's really good to chat to. However, I found myself in the press conference uh, on on Saturday night thinking, I've I've been here before. This. <laughs> Very familiar press conference from previous seasons where he was talking about um, we have to combine quicker. Uh, we, we, we we have to start our build-up play a bit higher up. Uh, we need to make the most of our of our players down the wings. We need to um, create better chances that way. I thought, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've heard that a lot of occasions last season and I think there's a lot of benefit of the doubt given to him because of the, um, because of the injury problems and illness problems that Brussie Dortmund's squad has suffered. He only, you know, Terzis only actually got his his preferred front three together for that final season running, didn't he? For the, the final couple of months of the season, and they really started to gel. It looked, it started to look a bit better. But apart from that, there were lots of frustrating games. Terzis himself actually in the press conference mentioned uh, one one of those games last season, Mainz away, where they struggled and struggled and struggled, and somehow managed to score a winner via Gio Reina with a very similar goal actually from a corner. Similar late, there were similar late wins from substitutes, um, away at Freiburg, uh, and uh, and in other games, I think Augsburg at home was another one last season. There were there were lots of familiar ones. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I I think it's fair to expect progress. Uh, you touched a little bit on the sort of players they've signed this this year, uh, Madam. Um, obviously that's Sebastian Kehr's doing as 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 sporting director. Uh, yeah, they are different players, aren't they? It's not really the traditional sort of. Uh, like younger talents that Dortmund are bringing to. Obviously, some of them are still there. Uh, the likes of uh, Julien Duranville um, is, is is the obvious one to, to, to mention. 
But otherwise, um, Mitcher, uh, Ben Zbaini, particularly Sabitzer, these are actually proven Bundesliga players. Um, but um, very, very little came from them as well. So particularly disappoint- disappointed in, in Sabitzer. Uh, very little came from him. Um, and Ben Zbaini could quite a frustrated figure at times, actually. Saw him waving his arms around quite a bit when passes didn't come off. Um, maybe let's not read too much into it. It's day one and think, you know, Chris is right to point out it's important just to get that. Yeah, it's a tricky opponent. Get them out of the way um, and, 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 and move on. Um, because it was a tough afternoon, particularly with the. Uh, I, I, it needs to be pointed out. Maybe whether it has a big effect on the pitch or not, I don't know. But I, I've I've rarely heard an away end as loud as that. It was very very loud on mm. Sunday. Yeah, good travelling support. Obviously, Chris, next week is not going to get much easier. We're going to touch on that on the in the preview show. But Bochum away, the Revier Derby. Um, that is a fixture that they struggled with last week last year. I think that's that game might be almost more important than this one. Um, in terms of like getting a string of results together, right? Yeah, it is. And this league is highly competitive. I know a lot of people rag down on it and say, well, buy and run away with everything. They don't, for the most part. And that's a casual observation, I think, by people who don't watch it. It's a highly competitive league. If we would have gone back two, three, longer than that, maybe six, seven seasons ago, you were guaranteed six points uh, without even kicking a ball because you knew who were the weaker side in the league now. We don't have that, so that they've got a, a tricky opening game against some relatively close neighbours, and then, as I say, they're going straight into, um, or as you say, sorry, they're going straight into a, a derby environment. There's there's no no easy transition into this league, and it's hard for Dortmund, and, and yeah, they need to they need to step up. And Mai's right, and in terms, it has said things that we've all heard before, and and now we need to see we need to see those differences on the pitch. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard one for them. Um, yeah, they, it, yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to be better, aren't they? Because one of Bochum's biggest games, if not the biggest game of the season, it's the one they look for um, now, and it's the one that they'll look for when the fixtures came out. So they will be a hundred percent up for it, um, and Dortmund will have to match that. Yeah, um, I think you know, obviously, it's such a big game um, early in the season. Um, we're going to preview it in depth um, come the preview show. Guys, the final game that I want to touch on before we wrap this show up, um, Union Berlin beat Mainz 4-1. Um, I feel like this site is so full of options now. There's so many players. Uh, Matt, every day I look at our Transfermarkt page and I see a new player signed. Um, Robin Gosens is there now. Kevin Folland. Um, They still have Becker. Um, and then, of course, it's Kevin Behrens with with the with the first three goals. Um, you know, a journeyman, thirty two year old journeyman, previous journeyman who they signed from Sandhausen. The side is just I don't know. Union Berlin, they do things so different. They play so different than other Bundesliga teams. Um, they have a completely different approach on the transfer window. Yet, this team gets better every year, and I'm finding myself hard counting them out. Um, even though they are in the Champions League this year, I, I don't think we, with respect, I don't think anyone saw it saw it lasting this long. But they they simply go, they simply go from strength to strength. Um, the the job that Urs Fischer is, is doing there is, is is truly is really incredible, and, and it's it's actually very difficult to sort of get in behind and really understand what exactly it, it is that that they do that they do so well. I mean, I think. Um, 
I mean, the obvious part of Colin might be just yeah, Charlotte Becker. Um, you know, an absolutely, absolutely lethal striker offers you all sorts, chops deep well, gets involved, gets involved with the play, and you know, is 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 also dangerous off the off the last man with his with his pace. And, and, and but he uh, didn't even start today. Did he, exactly? He didn't even start. <laughs> so they, they, they've again they've moved on beyond even that. Um, I think they've uh, all Fish has done well to get. Uh, an awful lot out of um, a fairly journeyman bunch of players at, at, at times. However, I think there's a, that's a major change this season, particularly with adding uh, Kevin Folland and uh, particularly Robin Gozens. That's uh, two uh, two examples of, of of genuine genuine Bundesliga and indeed international level uh, class. And obviously, you need that with the Champions League coming up. Um, and I think yeah, I think that's. That's a that's a notable change, and um, yeah, um, it, it, we should probably stop being surprised by, by this point because they're they're adapting and progressing in their own way, uh, extremely well, and um, all, all power to them. Where's this going to end? I'm going to ask both of you. Maybe you f first, Matt, and then Chris. Well, I mean, the, uh, it's going to end in the it's going to end uh, end in the Olympia Stadion, ironically enough, isn't it? <laughs> um, on, excuse me, I'm sure that's not gone unnoticed on the other side of town. Uh, what 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 level of football will be taking place there this season, and they they won't be playing in blue. So that's yeah, that's that's where it'll end <laughs> from uh, from my point of view. <laughs> Chris, I don't think it's going to end at Wembley, is it? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Put your money on that now. Look, <laughs> <laughs> um, they they. I mean, I can't really add much. They just. They're surprising, but we shouldn't be surprised. I remember when they first came up, a lot of people said, would they go straight back down? No, they didn't. And they exceeded expectations. Would they have a problem adjusting, like many German clubs do, to play in midweek games in Europe? They didn't have a problem doing that either. Now they're going to like dine at the top table. Are they going to have any issues for that? No, because they've brought in some really good players that both you and Matt have mentioned, and they've done that deliberately. Um yeah, they're a fantastic side to watch. Um, I know you got some pelters last season, Manny, when you mentioned that, uh, or you, when you mentioned this. So they once again outperform their XG. You know, I'm not a big fan of XG. I think it's a tool, not the tool. A lot of people think it's the tool in order to, uh, uh, you know, to judge a club by. But once again, their XG was 1.88 for goals. So last season, the big thing was, oh, Union Berlin. Oh, yeah, they're okay, but at some point, you know that that gap it. It's going to come a cropper. Well, it didn't, and they've started this same way, um, and they've won four-one. Okay, they've got a really late goal in in this added time of added time of added time that we're going into, but they can sustain that over this this level. That they're a really interesting uh, club, not just on the pitch but off the pitch as well, and they just seem to have got it right. Um, and I've had a fantastic time watching them, and I hope it does continue this season. And and they keep playing this way, and they they keep making. I know we've used the word surprising, but surprising signings. They've been very good in a transfer market when when they come through. They sign the right type of player. That they don't seem to they just seem to identify who's needed for that squad. I think the way they also play with that um, bank of four midfielders is is very very good. With the you know with the one in front with behind the two that they play with two traditional strikers. I like that. Not many clubs do that anymore. I just think the, the the big package of the main real package, and I, just, I can't get enough of watching. I think they're brilliant. Yeah, I think we're getting to a point now where the them outperforming the XG, which has been what like we're pretty much sixty nine games in now. It's been two full seasons and a game 
um, where maybe it's a trend. And if that's a trend where a team, where a single team is doing it, maybe XG isn't the number that you should be using to describe what Union Berlin is doing. Um, this is for all the um, SG missionaries out there on Twitter X or whatever you a social media you're using. Um, I think we're getting to a point now that if a team is doing this, XG is maybe not the right model to describe it. Uh, or maybe describe anything. That's maybe my final takeaway from this. Um, guys, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you to both for stepping in. Uh, first, you, Chris, where can people find you? What have you been up to? Um, and anything you want to point out or promote, the floor is yours. Thanks very much. Yeah, so I'd like most writers to start a Substack um, because, unfortunately, English language coverage was getting diluted. Not diluted, sorry. The, the, word, it, the interest wasn't there. So I've decided that I was going to carry on doing what I do on Substack now. So you can find me on that. I'm on most social media platforms at Chris78Williams. Um, and, and yeah, but if I write something, I'll stick it on that. Um, yeah, I'm still on X or Twitter or whatever, whatever it's called these days. Uh, don't, I don't, I don't even know why now. Um, yeah, Matt underscore 4D. The last piece I did was, um, uh, I do like an annual ticket price check, which I really enjoy doing. Um, maybe, maybe I'm a bit nerdy on it. Maybe that. that but if people like it, then feel free to have a look. Basically, I go through every year uh, all the Bundesliga ticket prices and season ticket prices because obviously, oh, there's there's this. I was going to use the word myth. It's not really a myth, but there's this thing abroad, isn't there? That often the Bundesliga is really cheap. German football is cheap, and yes, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, so, but but there's more to it. There's nuances of whether it's a season ticket or a single ticket or home or away or region to region, club to club, standing or seating. There's, there's all sorts of different nuances which go on there. Uh, so yeah, for a nerd like me, that sort of stuff is fascinating. So if anyone's, if anyone is popping over to Germany for a game at any point uh, and you want to, you know, there's more info than just ticket prices. There's other sort of like match, match going visit, uh, match visit stuff on there. So uh, feel free to have a look. That goes on, on my Twitter there. And uh Otherwise, for the next two weeks, I must admit, I'm going on holiday. Actually, so uh, there'll be nothing. There'll be nothing for me for two weeks. So uh, see, see you in September. You you like the Bundesliga? It kicks off right away, and then it goes into an international break. It's like, wait, you just started. But uh... <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, the, the, that... the first day back was too much for me. I've got to have a rest. <laughs> um, but you piqued my interest. I know we're almost out of time, but what stood out? One thing that stood out for you when you did your ticket price check. Um, the I mean, the one thing that gets people every year is that the, uh, among the cheapest tickets are Bayern Munich, yeah. um, and that surprises people. Um, I often hear sort of jokes uh, among sort of friends or uh, you know acquaintances or whatever who say that oh, they sort of joke that oh yeah yeah but in the Bundesliga you can go and watch Bayern Munich for a tenner and the beer's free. And it's like it's half true. You literally can watch Bayern Munich for less than ten euros. Uh, the beer's not free. But um, yeah, and so that that that's always I think quite interesting. Um, otherwise, Frankfurt are interesting this season. Frankfurt have converted their uh, terrace behind the goal into a, a two-tiered terrace. They have effectively doubled, or more than doubled, the size of their standing section. They're going to have almost thirteen thousand, no, I think almost twenty thousand standing places at the uh, at the Waldstadion. So it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. So yeah, that that's probably my my standout this year I think because that's one stadium that didn't need any more atmosphere wasn't it that's going to be an incredible yeah, place to, it, it, to exactly, play yeah. 
Uh, How do you maximize the roof coming off every week? To what was it? What is it going to be now? <laughs> Honestly, imagine being Eintracht Frankfurt. And thinking, you know, what we need a bit more noise. <laughs> that's incredible! It was already too loud. I mean, that's wrong, but <laughs> yeah, it, that's insane. Um, I can't wait to cover a game there soon because, like, that's one of my favorite stadiums to work in um, because of the level of noise. Bring earplugs though when you go. Uh, it is incredibly loud. Or, That's or, really interesting. Or, or if you or if you see Cologne away anywhere, because uh, yeah, because uh, they're they're a they're a loud bunch. Always, it's all it's always good fun. I think I think we've sort of talked about it a little bit as well. This this uh, this this episode, people do look down on the Bundesliga a little bit. I don't want to be too defensive about it because I don't think we need to be defensive. Um, we know where the Bundesliga stands. We know what its pros and cons are, and the Bundesliga has nothing to hide. Uh, we've seen goals galore on match day one. There's been some fantastic attacking football. Um, in some fantastic atmospheres and great stadiums, great clubs with fantastic stories, uh, and it's always a guaranteed good day out. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's keep it let's keep it up. I, I don't think if we I don't think we can end before. I mean, Matt said there's great. We can't ignore the fact that Harry Kane said it's better than some of the Premier League stadiums he's played it. I was just going to say that <laughs> even the English cap was surprised by the amount of noise. And that was at Werder Bremen. Wait till he shows up in some of these other stadiums. Um, yeah, uh, I think even Harry Kane was surprised about the level of noise. Endorsed by the ca English national team captain, the Bundesliga has the best atmosphere in Europe. There you got it. Um, guys, this has been a pleasure. Um, as always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. We'll be back with lots of content um, for the, the entire rest of this week. So stay tuned. And follow those two gentlemen. They know what they're talking about. And hopefully we'll have them back lots this season. Um, which promised to be an exciting season. We'll be back soon. Until then. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.